Well, Jack's already welcomed everybody for uh, that's, that's here today, and I want to I want to I want to share something with you. We are so glad that you're here. I really, you go into places sometimes, and and they say, "Oh, uh, we're so glad you're here." I was in a I was in a store yesterday. And there was this shirt that they were wearing for the store, and it says, "We're so glad you're here." And the guy was walking, and the guy was walking around like this. No. But it says we're so, we're so glad you're here, and then and then it was just this. The, it was a drink. Now listen, I don't know the type of day that the guy had. I don't know what was going on in his life, but what I can tell you that his expression and his insides didn't match his shirt. Now, when we say that we're glad that you're here, there's many of us that that belong to connection that are here every Sunday. There's many. There are many of us that maybe or maybe not have had the greatest week of all time. But watch. This is what family does. And we're in the third sermon of a four-sermon series about family. But family does this. Family chooses, family chooses to connect with family no matter how bad the week has been. Some of you out there, if you had a little, you know, uh, if you, you, could, you could text me up here and, and you'd say, Matt, you have no idea what I've experienced this week. You have no idea... Um, what I've been through, you have no idea what my mate's done, you have no idea what this, you have no... Listen, in the first video that we watched, it says, at our church, if you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't the one. We're not perfect. We all have stuff. And we watched this second video. And we watched the second video, and this is the second time that we've seen it. Last week we had a baptism video because we had a dunk party. But this is the second time we've seen this video. Next week you're going to see it again. Because at Connection we seek to do family things outside of a building. Number one, our church is not these four walls and these seats and this floor and this stage and this band and and the speakers and everything. It's not that. That's not what our church is. Our church is the body of people that go outside. Remember, I talked a couple months ago, we are, the, we are the body of believers. We should be the sponges. And when we come into church on Sunday morning, we should, we should squeeze in and let God fill us up. That whenever we leave this place, whenever we go to work, wherever we go, we should be squeezing that sponge out. And people should say, holy cow, there's something different about you. You should be. That's, how we, that's what a family does. That's what a family of, especially a family of followers of Jesus, should do. I was at a wedding yesterday. Some of you were there, some of you weren't. If you've seen Facebook, yes, I actually did have a suit on yesterday. It was actually a tie. There's people said they were going to, you know, tag me all over this Facebook pictures and all this stuff. And I had several people. There were there were several people that went to Connection that were at the wedding. There were several people there that didn't go to Connection, and they said, "Oh, you're going to wear that to Connection tomorrow." And nope. <laughs> we seek to be relevant. Now, listen, there may be a Sunday that I come in in a, in a suit. And some of you all may fall over, but I may come in in a suit, okay? But family seeks to relate to one another. This morning I walked in, I saw people relating with people. 
Last night at this wedding, I'm sitting down at a table with other people, and I'm eating. And, and I, as we left, I, my wife is not in here. She's teaching children right now. You can ask her after church. But I, as we left, I said this. These words came out of my mouth, and I said this. And I was sitting with connection people at our table. I said, I have never been able or felt comfortable to relate with people on that kind of level outside of this church that I went to church with. Never, ever. That should tell you something. This, there's something different. There's something special that's going on here. At Connection, we are trying to unite and get closer to that knit group of family people. Last Sunday, we had a dunked party. And if you were here, it was a blast. Again, people posting pictures of me in here. Well, Matt's got camouflage on. He's got his waiters on. And he's, and he's baptizing people. Social media does have its upsides sometimes. We had people in that comment ask, what church do you go to? This is different. Good. Come and visit us. We're two and a half miles east of the airport. It's real easy. But if you were here last Sunday, we had a family day. And if you were here, you understand what I'm talking about. We had a family day. There were five people that were dunked. And then there was a whole bunch of people that ate. And I'm talking, you guys put a serious hammer on that food. I know for a fact we got 200 chicken wings. They were all gone. 200. <laughs> Hungry from the baptism, okay. But we, we hang out. We hang out. That's, when I'm asked about connection, the easiest way for me to tell somebody about our church is this. We live life together. That's it. We come in, nobody has it all together. Somebody may have been through something already. They can give advice to people, but that's what family does. We hang out and we live life together. Together. In this sermon series, we're, we're, just, we're seeing what God does. If you had any part, this is the cool thing about the connection. I don't have to say so-and-so and so-and-so. If you had any part in the dunk party last week, from taking this off to heating up the water to getting the chicken wings or, or putting the tables out of the chairs or getting them and whatever, if you put out the tarps where we didn't get the side room wet from the people that got baptized, thank you. From this whole church, thank you. Because you don't, know, you don't understand. If we could take a step back and look at the visitors that we had last week or this week, if you're the first time, you're our guest here. You are part of this family. No, we don't know everything about you. But as that, as that video, the first video said, we are not concerned about your past. Here you can belong. You can belong. We have people from all kinds of pasts. I tell you mine, but we don't have all afternoon. See, that's, that's, that's the relevance. We're, we're real people. Three of the five people that, we baptized, that I baptized last week were ages 10 and younger. You know what that says to, to, to me? It says, something is going on correct with parents at home, or the baby teachers, and the twos and threes teachers, and the kids rock teachers. Something is getting input into their lives. Last Sunday I shared with you, my six-year-old has such an understanding of, of, the, of the Bible because, in fact, one of the baptism people said this, I love kids rock because the teachers teach us the Bible and it's not boring. Isn't that cool? 
family puts in to family. There's some people here that don't have kids at home anymore. So what do they do? They get to come to church. They get to hang out with these young people. And I see them. Every, every Sunday they come up to me and they just put their arm around them. They drink coffee with them. They hang out with them. They talk to them. And as a family, we should support our own family. So there's a need. There's a need for more teachers in a couple areas in this, in this church. So if you're a male, particularly a male, and you said, hey, you know what? I'll give up one of my Sundays to go back and help. You come talk to me after church. We got room for you. Because some of those kids need to see a male role model in their life. And it's important. That's what families do. The first Sunday of our, of our family sermon series which says, we are family. Okay, Sister Sledge, People are still commenting on that Facebook post. We are family. Okay? Many of you, you're like, oh, I haven't heard that song in 15 years. Week number two. Last week, we were one family through baptism. Talking about the followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the followers today in the first church. But we're talking about the followers that were one body through baptism. This morning, we're going to talk about we are one family through fellowship. Reminding ourselves of what we did last week, reminding yourself what we did yesterday, what we did today, this morning. You, man, I walked in. Listen, I do. I don't just make this stuff up. You come early. Come, come about nine forty-five, nine thirty. You can get a really good bunch of coffee before ten o'clock worship, so that when the band starts, you're gonna be the one, woo, you know, crazy worshiper. Okay. But it's that 9.15, 9.30, 9.45 group of people that are getting this. They're vacuuming the carpets. That's weird. I don't get paid to do this. What do they do? They do it so you're comfortable when you come in. And out of that work, out of that responsibility, out of that volunteering, comes the fellowship. I see people that honestly, I think they just, they cannot wait for Sunday morning to happen so they can reconnect with those people they maybe haven't seen all week. That's the type of church that I want to go to. And that's what we have here. It's very unique. At Connection, we place a high priority on friends, fellowship, and family. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You guys created a 430 service. Well, we created a 430 service so some of the dads that work a different shift can come to church with their family. We're that interested. We know in a big group like this, that not everybody here can say, Matt, I had the greatest childhood of ever. Okay. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this. You have an opportunity to feel at home and a part of this family starting right now. Starting half an hour ago. Starting an hour ago. If you have your Bibles with us, it's going to be up on the, on the, on the screen in a second, but if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's going to be the fifth book. We're going to be in the second chapter. And whenever you get to the second chapter, we're going to be looking at the 41st verse. So Acts 2, 41. What we're going to be seeing today is we're going to, be, we're going to, we're going to see a picture from a long time ago of a first church. And the first church did some things that we do today at Connection. You're going to start to draw some lines. You're going to go, why do we do this? Why does this make sense? Why do we do this? Hopefully, we're going to connect some dots and lines today to 2,000 years ago. 
and I can show you the relevance in it. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, go ahead and pop that on the screen. Again, I'll remind you if, you, if you bring your Bibles or your phone, okay, you can follow along, but if you bring your Bible especially, you can mark in it. When you come back by it, it'll make sense a little bit. Verse 41 says this, those who believed, stop, those who believed, we're talking about people that have given their life over to believing and following Jesus Christ. Okay? Those who believed. He goes on. What Peter had said were baptized and added to the church daily. That day. About 3,000 in all. Peter just, Peter just finished a sermon. I don't know that very many people have ever, have ever been in this room, have ever been a member of a church that regularly runs 3,000. And if you've been to these, these churches, oh, that's great. But watch this. Peter is preaching in Jerusalem, by the way. Jerusalem is not okay with the spreading of Jesus. It's not okay with the spreading of Christianity. If Peter would have said anything incorrect, anything wrong that went against what Jesus actually did, he is in the center of not goodville for the, for the spreading of Jesus Christ. If he would have said anything incorrect or the... The writer of the book said anything incorrect when he put it in the print, it would have got called. Nope, that didn't really happen like that. My brother was there. It didn't really happen like that. See, at Connection, we seek to, we seek to preach the validity of Scripture. Because if there was anything wrong or incorrect in this, it would have got called out. No, it didn't happen like that. So we can, 2,000 years later, look at this book and have all of these answers. And all of these cool stories. But Peter was preaching in Jerusalem. Peter preached about Jesus. What? His, his sermon was, was not bells and whistles. It was not, you know, he wasn't an Andy Stanley or a Charles Stanley on TV. This guy was a fisherman that had walked, watch this, he was a fisherman that had been mentored and walked with the Savior of the world for three years. And Jesus taught very simply, yes, he's complex. But Peter probably preached on Jesus, his love, and what Jesus did for them. Really. He was just trying to get their attention. Peter was preaching the truth. Remember, if he wasn't preaching the truth, he would have got called on it. He was preaching about things that he found in Scripture, things that are true today. And we see that at the very end of this verse, 3,000 people were added to the church. He didn't, 3,000. I don't want to dwell on that number because just, just to tell you this, it was a, a big number of people. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine that we lived in Jerusalem, okay, the town of whatever, as big as Mount Vernon, it's probably bigger. And one of you pre- preached a sermon, and all of a sudden, connection went from what it is now to 3,000 more. You know, we're going to be running like 12 services a day. Three. What do you do? Watch. Watch. Now, these are brand new people. Brand new people in their walk. They're brand new followers. These are 3,000 people that heard. Okay? They heard for probably the first time about Jesus' love for them, and they said, I want that. You remember that time in your life? I want that. I've never been loved like that. I've never been forgiven like that. I want that. But these are new people. New followers. What do we do? What do we say to them? 
Listen, there's new people that come into connection today, last week, to next week. All these visitors, what, how do we say? What, what do we say? A connection? If you're a new follower of Jesus, brand new, or you, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you may not know everything that you want to know, or maybe you're struggling through something, we do this crazy thing at our church. And believe me, I've talked to people that don't go here, people that don't go to church anywhere, they think it's absolutely crazy. I had a person come up to me, literally, two weeks ago, and I told them, they said, hey, can you come to do something, something, before you go to school on this day? I said, I can't help you that day. Why? What what do you possibly got going on before school? I said, I actually meet with a person at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. What? Why? I said, we go over Scripture and talk about their life, and I kind of help, I mentor them and take them show them some things that maybe I've learned. They're younger than me. That person steps back and says, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I said, I think if you ask the person that I meet with, they would disagree. Because I'm seeing the growth. This person wasn't a new follower, but they said, I want to know more. I want to know how, watch this, I want to know how to have a happy marriage. Happy as I can have. I want to know how I can follow Jesus Christ more closely. I want to learn how do you deal with issues and problems in your life? How did you work with this? How did you do this? We do this thing called mentoring. We're going to see that really quick. If you look with me in verse 42, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, it said this, they always listened. This is one of the things that they did well. They listened. In America, unfortunately, we do not understand completely and totally what it means to be hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't. Okay? If, you read a, if you read a book, and I'm not here to pump books, but if you read a book by, by David Platt called Radical, he talks about a church in Africa where people, it's just not there. There's no gospel there. There's no churches there. People literally walk for three and four hours to get to this place. We don't understand the hunger that people have. See, we're, we say, well, we've got a hundred churches in our county, people. A hundred churches in our county. So we don't understand what it's like to, to, to learn the truth for the first time and be like, whoa. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This probably wasn't just one person. You know, they didn't pe- okay, um, Peter, you're going to be the speaker. You know, 3,000 people got saved uh, when you preached, so evidently you're pretty good at this, so you're going to teach all the time. No, watch, they didn't do that. They would have rotated. Because if one person does it the whole time, no one else gets to practice. That's why there's rotations on vacuum in the carpet. That's why there's, that's why there's rotation on the people to do the soundboard and, and clean the bathroom. They talked about what Jesus had done for them. These are people, these are people, these new, these new believers. Listen, these new believers are sitting in a Bible study in a first church and they are literally listening to people that walked shoulder to shoulder with Jesus Christ. I, wow. I would have liked to hear some of the stories. You can imagine the, the conversations over coffee. Hey, you remember when, you know, Jesus is already back to heaven. But they t- tell stories. You remember when Jesus is here? Yeah. Yeah, he healed that. He healed that guy. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Just these stories that they were just this. 
this unbelievable. But these people walked with him. They would have been very relevant. And he goes on and says, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. These people did, watch, 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 watch. Something I got to experience yesterday with Connection People. These people did more with each other than just go to church. These people lived life together. But they did, because we're told. He goes on. And to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I get to share a meal with people that go to Connection and around some people that didn't go to Connection yesterday. I'm sitting in this reception, and I got up to get a glass of tea, and I hear all this noise. I don't even have to turn around. I know it's Connection people. And I look back, and oh, sure enough, these two tables, oh, they're having a great time. But you know what I got from that? These people just don't go to church together. I'm telling you, I was in tears last night. I left that wedding reception, and I told my wife, I said, I've never had friends like this. I've never had people that are not blood-related to me that relate to me so well. And that's because we do this. We share in meals. We share in the Lord's Supper. Hang with us. If you can come the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have face down. That's what we call our Lord's Supper. It's a very intimate, cool meal. And it shows how together we can be. Because every person, see, every person in this church wanted to grow. They were so hungry. They were so hungry. So it says that they fellowship together and they shared meals together. And they prayed. They got together with groups so that they could learn God better. If you have your worship handout with me, there's some blanks in the middle. Just open up right here. There's going to be some blanks that you can fill out. But the worship handout says this. The first, the first blank, it says this. Meeting together is not just for some, but for everyone. Meeting together helps us all grow in our maturity in Christ. Now, I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. Sunday morning is a great time. Remember, the Bible says don't neglect meeting together. It's very important that we get together. Very, very, very important. Very, very important. If you can't make 10 o'clock, we have 4.30. 4.30 is a cool service. It's our first church plant. There's people, there's people that do not come to 10 o'clock that are here at 4.30. It's awesome. But everyone, not just for some, everyone. Matt, life happens. We have this. I get it. I get it. But hey, well, we can't make your connect group at Monday night. I said, okay. Well, there's a lot of them in here. Open it all the way up and you can see all the connect groups all week. We teach the same lesson. You hang out with some different people for one week and then go back to your regular scheduling programming. <laughs> but these people, listen, if you didn't, if you didn't get a chance to go to connect group this week, we talked about something absolutely, absolutely, absolutely incredible. Becoming like Christ. See, the lady in the video, before I, before I got to preach, the lady was putting, I'm not this way, Jennifer is really good at it, my sister, of scrapbooking. Man, I'm, just give me the thing with the sleeve that just slide them in, we're good. If I do that, okay? But Jennifer, can, she can create all this stuff, and she can scrapbook and do all this stuff. And we talked about in Connect Group, what does it look like when you look at old pictures of yourself? <laughs> it was great. Most people didn't want to answer. Well, I was skinnier then. 
when I was a lot younger, or that person was with us in this picture, and they're, they're, they've gone on to be with Jesus in this picture. They're, they're, not, they're not there. And I, said, I asked, one of the questions I asked was, is it hard to recognize yourself? And sometimes I could take Lydia or Emma, my girls, and I say, who's this? And if you get, them, you know, if you get me like 16 on, they're pretty good. You get me at like 7 or 8, and they're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. See, for them, it's hard to recognize. And here was the twist on our connect group. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have been growing in maturity for some years, it should be hard for you to look back and recognize yourself because you should be so drastically different. Because of the meeting and the growing and the fellowship and the, and the meals together and the, hey, hey, what's up? Last, I, can't, I can't get over it. And it wasn't about the wedding. It was just an opportunity to get together and hang out. And the wild thing is there were people that did not go to our church they are like, something is different about those people. And some would think, you know, the only connection people ate like five plates of cupcakes. No, we didn't really. We didn't. And if you were there, just keep those stories to yourself. For the sake of time, we're going to go to verse, verse 7 in chapter 20. Don't turn there. We're going to flip it up on the screen. It says this, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper happens in two weeks at Connection. We call it Face Down. It's an intimate meal that we, as a group of believers, remember what Jesus did for us. Jesus died on the cross. We believe that really happened. He really died. He was really put in a grave. And we really believe that three days later, our God in heaven said, Get up, son. And he walked out of that grave. And by doing that, he conquered all sin. He died for it all one time. It was enough. And we celebrate that when we take face down. He goes on and says, Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Some of you complain about a 45-minute sermon. This guy talked till midnight. It says this. Why? Because Paul had so much to, so much to tell them. Look, he says, Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Do you ever, has God ever done something in your life so unbelievably amazing that you can't physically put a time frame on it, and if somebody will listen to you, you just keep going? Paul had experienced something that he had never experienced before, and he was with this group of believers, and he said, you have to listen to me. What I have to say is going to change the way you think, the way you live, the way that you talk, the way that you act, the way you go to work. I cannot get this all out in 20 minutes. Please just sit here. And the early believers were so hungry, so hungry that they sat there until midnight. See, some of us in here, some of us have that. Some, some of us older people, we have that inside of us. We've experienced that. God's brought us through that. God's healed us of addiction, of pain, of hurt. And we have young people that are getting ready to enter a stage in their life where that can really, really pound on them. And in this church aspect and in our church, it's that time that those people will come and walk alongside these younger people or these older people with older people. I've mentored a person that was 20 years older than me. He taught me so much about life. It's sharing. It's sharing. When we learn these things by being taught, we are often amazed. 
You ever had an aha moment? Hmm. Somebody explained something to you the first time. Mine was usually in math. <laughs> Somebody explained something. Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't even use a calculator. Wow, neat. So he goes on in verse 43. Go back to chapter 2, verse 43. It says this. A deep sense of awe came over them, and all the, apostle, all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wondered and wonders. Have you ever learned something and it finally clicked or tried something that you thought was cool when you did it? And it was awesome. Like you just, you tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. There, I don't know, a month ago, I showed some, I showed some pictures of, uh, of some guys throwing basketballs just an incredible long distance. And their website's Dude Perfect. If you've ever seen them, they're just, they're just incredible. But I was even, I was even, now I'm in awe of them because that's just, some of that's just crazy. I have no idea how much time it takes to make something like that. But they have a friend that comes on a new video with them. His name's Brody Smith. Brody Smith does the things that they do with a frisbee. And he is wild. There's a YouTube video that says the greatest game of horse ever played. And they're up in these stadiums and they're throwing basketballs off the rafters. And Brody Smith's just out there with his frisbee making them. It's, cra- it's just insane. And I was in awe when I watched that. But there's a trick that he does. He has a, he's up in, a, in some bleachers, and he has a basketball goal down there. And he takes a bat, okay, a bat, and he takes a frisbee, and he flips the frisbee and spins it and goes tink and hits the frisbee and it goes into the goal. Okay, that's, a, that's another level of, Whoa. <laughs> Okay, I'm thinking, well, I can do some of this Frisbee stuff. I really can't. I tried. Okay, it's not happening. It's not happening. But they were in awe. Some of you have, some of you have little kids at home, and if you want to, and I, I'm, I'm going to be the negative person when I say this, and some of you are not going to like this, but the Farmer's Almanac and the persimmon trees say that it's going to be a rough winter again, okay? For those of you that like sledding, call me. Okay, now... I wanted to do something really, really cool, but the temperature has to just be bottom, 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 zero, minus wind chill. And I boiled some water inside. I boiled water. Now think about this. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. I can blow up a balloon and not tie it, do this, and they're just captivated. I thought, man, I'm going to do something really, really cool. So Mary and I, we boiled two pots of water, and I put on every ounce of clothing that I had. It was one of those days. And I put on leather gloves and I grabbed one of the pots after it started boiling and I walked outside and Mary still has this on her phone. It's awesome. But Lydia, Lydia's like, do it, Daddy, do it. <laughs> if you take a pot of boiling water and the wind chill is so drastically different in temperature than the boiling water, when you throw it up, it instantly comes snow. It's awesome. I did it the first time without the kids watching and I just boiled water for like the rest of the afternoon. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> But in the video, you hear my youngest daughter go, do it again, Dad, do it again. It's the same thing that these people were saying. Teach us more. Teach us more. Do it again. When people learn who Jesus is and what He's done for them, oftentimes it's a sense of awe. And you know that person, and maybe it's you. When you found out that Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, can take away all of your sin, some of you, if we rewind to the, to the past, we say, there's no way He could forgive me. 
There's no way he can forgive me of this. There's no way. We often hear this. People said, if you'd known half the stuff that I've done, you'd never let me in your church. And there's people out of connection with love in their voice. They said, if you understood half the things that we've done, you would not be worried about your own. See, it's about sharing. It's about family. He goes on to verse 44. And it says this. And all the believers met together in one place. We got church at 10 and 4.30. We got connect groups. That you can read the list of them. All the believers met together in one place. Why? They couldn't get enough. They were magnetized towards each other. You ever been around somebody? Maybe your dad worked on cars. Maybe your mom could, could was a really good baker. We talked about baking yesterday. My great-grandma taught me how to make some really cool candy. If you've ever had it, you understand how awesome it is. But potato candy is one of my favorite candies in all of the earth. But she taught me these things. And my grandma taught me these things. And my mom taught me these things. And my dad taught me these things. And oftentimes, when we get around people that teach us things, we don't want to get away. There was many times where I was meeting with my mentor and I didn't want to leave. Ah, you got too much to tell me. Keep, t- keep talking. There were times that you've met with someone that's given you advice, maybe your parents, maybe you've given your kids advice, and, they, and for that one time your kid wants to listen. And you said, stay right here, I want to give you everything that I have. This, these people literally, literally lived a life like that. It goes on, it says, and they shared everything they had. 45 just blows my mind. It says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, Think about it. You got that nice truck? Think about think of it. This is serious. No, no, they didn't, they didn't drive a Silverado or a Dodge Ram in biblical times. But think about it. If somebody in their church needed something, maybe they had a piece of property, they sold it, and they used the money to help other people. Now, there are a lot of people in America say, well, we should just go back to that system. There's not anybody that wants to sell their stuff. See, these people were so connected in what God was wanting to do in their life and they, they had that, whoa. God is adding to us every day. There's people that are coming together. There's more people. Well, looks like Jim brought a couple people, brought his neighbors. Oh, Carol's got a couple people. Can you imagine there's just all these new people coming in every day? They did what was necessary for the growing of God's family. What? They did what was necessary. We're not going to call them out. We're not going to put them on a pedestal. But these people up here that play, there's people that teach, there's people that run the sound, there's some of you that clean, come back for a 4.30 service when they don't have to. Literally. But why? Why do they do it? Why do they do it? Because when they come back, they get to share. When they... When people grab a vision that God has, they are willing to do things that they normally wouldn't be willing to do. There, there are people that are gonna that, that may hopefully talk to me after church. They say, you know what? I really don't want to give up a Sunday morning to go back and 
and to help with little kids. But if it makes those people that have kids come in more comfortable because there's a guy back there, I'm okay with that. I'm okay, I'll give that. I'll give that. I'll give my time, I'll give my sacrifice, I'll give my... There's people that at your connect group, and you know who they are. If you're in a connect group, you know there's people that every single week, they seek to make just something real cool. Even if it's a bag of chips and homemade dip. But they seek to just, this is what I have, this is what I have, this is what I have. And oftentimes you hear, well, I didn't have, didn't have time, so I bought this. Man, you're sacrificing your time, energy, and money to bring something to a group to share with everybody so that everybody can share. This is what these people did. Are you noticing some lines and dots getting connected? When people ask us about connection. Why does it work? Where, what, what are you doing? I said, I had a lady ask me, in all sincerity, she asked me, she said, is your church biblical? I asked her very, with love, I said, we attempt to do this. We attempt to do things like the first church did. We seek to reach people where they are. We don't care about where they've been. We have popcorn and coffee in our church so that people feel comfortable. We have newer music because that's what the newer our target age likes. We have visual stuff. We show videos. If you have your worship handout, check that out. That last blank it says this, or the second to last blank. It is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to help one another in any way that we can. God's family works best when its members work together. I had a, I had a basketball player, and I listen. I'm not a basketball person. I like to play. I like to play. But to coach it, to do anything like that, that's just not my thing. If the ball is not white and has red seams, but we had a guy on my basketball team in high school, and I played my senior year just to get in shape for baseball. That's the only reason that I played. We ran 10 weeks before we ever touched a basketball. I was in great shape for baseball. But there was a guy on my team. Now this is, if you, if you know basketball, if you have coached basketball before, this is the epitome of the guy that you want. He was a point guard. He had phenomenal hands. He could jump out of the gym. Six foot three. And played and rebounded like he was about six eight. Just athletic. Could, before a game one time, and I know you get a technical for touching the, touching the rim. Okay, if you run around, you get a technical for touching the rim before the game. He went up to the weight room, put his hand in some chalk, and kept it closed. And he walked up. You know where the white box is on the, on the backboard? He walked up on the, other, on the other team's goal, and he put his hand about the corner of the top of the white box just to let him know he was there. <laughs> but our coach, every day, every day he would talk to Terrell. He said, Terrell, I don't like that play. Yeah, you can score. You got four of the guys on this floor. You're going to use them all. Because if you use them all, they cannot stop just you. They can't stop everybody. If, if everybody else learns what you know, they cannot stop all five of us. They can do things you can't do. You can do things they can't do. You need them. One day, our coach, Coach Combs, one of the best coaches I've ever had in my life, he goes, he goes Terrell, stop the drill now. He said, there's no I in team, young man. I, I played for one of the... Oh, he was awesome. He said, there's no I in team. Now, Terrell being a smart aleck said, yeah, but there's me. Terrell didn't play for a while. 
because by the end of the year, we got beat by the, by the state champions. They went on to win. But by the end of that year, our coach had molded five guys, actually probably eight. And no, I wasn't one of those. I usually stayed in my warm-up. <laughs> you know, one of the guys that sit on the end of the bench. But by the end of the year, we had five or six or seven or eight guys coming off the bench or starting that understood everything about everything. That if somebody got hurt, our coach literally could do this and just point and go. Didn't matter if you were a one, two, three, four, or five. Didn't matter. You knew everything. He could have looked down at the end of the bench because I knew all the plays too. See, it didn't just stop with the guys that play played. He goes, Griswold, you're going to go in and um, run a four. Okay. No problem. He had taught me. See, when we take people and we teach them, God's family works best when its members work together. When we all add what we add, we get a picture. If we all add our puzzle piece, we get the picture that we saw like last week. We get the picture. I had, man, I had people, I had people that do not go to this church that were at our church last week for the baptism and said, this was a cool day. Do you guys do this a lot? No, but when we do it, we do it right. We have fun together. He goes on in verse 46. He says this. He says, They worship together at the temple each day. This is, we, w- we would just breeze by that. But let me tell you something. The temples where the Jewish people met. Okay? These people were believers. They, did not, they were not following the traditions of the Jews anymore. But watch what they did. They met at the temple. Why? Because that's where everybody else was. They said, we, you have to hear, you have to hear what, what, I ju- what, we, what, just, what we just found out. You have to hear why Jesus came. You need to hear this. They didn't go away. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There were people that were here last week that said, oh, we'll just wait till all of your church eats. And I very strongly suggested that they get in there because if our church eats, there's not going to be anything left. Because our people know how to associate with one another. Okay, people are generous, generous to bring foods. Some of us say, oh, I'm going to be generous to eat. Okay? They got together, they shared these things. In verse 47, it says this, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Each day. Each day there is someone in connection or multiple people in connection that are connecting with people outside this building and every week, every connect group, there's a potential for some new person that was just touched to come in. And as I said last night to my wife sitting right next to me, I have never, I have never associated with people outside of the church and had more fun than I did tonight. And it was a big deal. See, I was hanging around people that understood what the word family actually meant. And you've had those situations. It was just, a, it was just an aha, big time awe for me last night. The last thing in your, in your worship handout says this. A healthy Christian community attracts people to Christ. See, people are looking... Everybody's looking for the, the perfect church. Listen, it's not out there. Just gonna 
Cut your search short. It's not out there. And he goes on and says, a healthy, loving church is where people will be able to come and grow in their understanding of Jesus. A healthy, loving church is where people will be able to come and grow in their understanding of Jesus. Now, the perfect church doesn't exist. A healthy one does exist. If its people will concentrate on Christ. If people will concentrate on what the New Testament says, do not neglect your meeting together. Hang out with each other. Share cupcakes together. Man, make some food. Take it to somebody. Just give it to them. Make, it, make, make this special thing. My wife, my wife talked to me the other day. She goes, you ought to make that for a connect group. Well, it takes time, Mary. She goes, no. But people hear you talking about it. It would mean a lot to them because they would know about the time that you took. I started to think a little bit different. You know, it's not about me. What can I do to show my love to somebody? How many, how many of those cups of coffee can I buy for those guys at Hardy's? When can I? I heard, I had, a, I had a friend of mine speaking of that. I had a friend of mine post on Facebook this week. This guy's a, this guy, this guy's a minister, pastor. I was looking for someone to buy their lunch today. And I was going through a fast food restaurant and the person ahead of me had already bought mine. And he goes, so I bought the person by, he goes, I have no idea if it just stopped there. He said, for like three people in a row, somebody else bought their meal. See, it's those types of things that they say, why, why do you do this? That guy that asked me, why do you meet somebody at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Do you not like sleeping? I said, well, that's what coffee's for, and I'm 34. And get up. But we have to seek. We have to seek to be the healthy, loving church. I wait till I come to church to see those certain people that I don't see all week, and I make a beeline for them, or they make a beeline towards me, and I say, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in like seven days. What's new? Because they mean that much to me. And I think I mean something to them, but it's a place called connection where we can come and grow. Come and grow. Followers of Jesus Christ should be like this. And I've said this before. And some of you are going to hear this enough that one, one of these times you're going, to, you're going to get that, whoa, that's what he's talking about. Followers of Jesus Christ should be like flathead catfish. Where are we going with flathead catfish? A flathead catfish grows until you baptize him in grease. Come on. A catfish does not... Wait, oh. A catfish does not die or does not quit growing until he dies. A follower of Jesus Christ should not say, oh, well, this, this one time, and, you know, I, was, I, was, I became a follower of Christ and this kind of just went downhill until I died. No, we as a follower and believer in Jesus Christ, you should go out of life accelerating. There's no, there's no brake pedal. Just go. And every week, you have a chance to come in and connect. And our people do that so good. 
But what Jesus said is this. He said a healthy, loving church is where people will be able to come and grow in their understanding of Him. He did. In His Word. I ask you right now, is there anything this week that you have been thinking about that you can do to show that love? Is there that person at work? Oh, Matt, don't talk about that person at work. A healthy, loving church is where people will be able to come and grow in their, in their understanding of Jesus. People should see a change in you. You should be different. You should be soaking up the water, soaking up the stuff in here, going out and squeezing it where you work, squeezing it where you play, everywhere. I invite you. Look at the connect groups. Get involved this week. I'm telling you, it's not just my opinion. These are fun. Come and hang out. They're listed right there. You come up and see. Meeting together and being a family is all about. You bow with me in prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the ability to come and meet here. We thank you for the sacrifice of the people that came this morning to run sound, to be the band, to be the the cleaners of the bathroom and the floors and the teachers of the children. And God, we, we just thank you for this thing that we call family. Thank you for this opportunity to come together and live life together. Such a blessing, God. God, thank you for these people, what they mean to me and my family. God, what, they, what they're meaning to your kingdom and your, and your work. God, we thank you. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.